Alright, you ready? Yeah. Got your Bibles? Got your seatbelt? Strapped in? I was talking about this man the other day with a friend of ours and um, something that I love about Andrew is there's an unashamed boldness to just see people come into the kingdom. Yeah. Um, there's, more, there's more to him than just an evangelist. He's a son. Um, he loves God. He, um, he loves the Lord deeply and uh, he cares profoundly about people. And if, uh, if that's what we're known for in our life, that we love God and we care for people, then I think that that's a good thing. That's what we're here for. Jesus came to seek and save that which were lost. And um, Andrew's made it his mission to just destroy hell for a living and plunder, plunder hell and populate heaven. Yeah, and bring toilet paper as sermon illustrations. So, <laughs> Alright, so, hey, stretch your hands out to this man. We're blessed to have him as part of our family. And so we just thank you, God, for Andrew. We just pray whatever he's got on his heart uh, this morning that we would receive it. We would receive it with softness, with a soft soil, that our hearts would be open. And uh, that our ears would be attentive to what you're saying in the Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good. Yeah, let's give it up for Andrew. Always, always very special to preach at home. So, um, we love you. Come on. Love yeah, we love you. you. Oh, stop it. I've got my mum and dad here, so it's, yeah, stop it. So nervous, that one. Yeah, your dad's here now. Quiet, mum. Quiet, Tell you what. Lord, help us. So, I never thought I'd do this, but I'm, a friend of mine asked me, actually, one of my cousins asked me last night, Andrew, what are you going to preach on tomorrow? Because he knew I was preaching this morning. I said, oh, I'm preaching on the opportunities in the coronavirus to share the gospel. He's <laughs> like, Where's that in the Bible? I said, oh, parable of the songs, anyway. So we'll get there in a minute. But uh, hasn't it been an absolutely wild week here in Australia and indeed around the world? Has anyone been to the shops in the last three or four days? Yeah, yeah. And you'll notice that this is not available anywhere. <laughs> well, actually, I said for my wife. I said to Joyce, I said, if there's anyone here... Um, who doesn't have any toilet paper, am I allowed to give this away? And she said, okay. <laughs> so if, if you do not have any toilet paper at all at home and uh, things are getting desperate, um, Dave's using a hand towel at the moment. So Dave, there you go. Just, for the sake of your whole family, we bless you with that toilet paper. Um, but it has been absolute mayhem, hasn't it? I was in Aldi uh, yesterday. There was no pasta at all available. I'm not talking about ministers of God. <laughs> I'm praying they would walk into Aldi all the time. But there was no pasta uh, other than this, like, really. Um, the gluten free stuff? Yes. <laughs> this really um, tasteless variety called gluten free pasta. And of that, there was only just a little bit. I looked at the. Uh, I looked at the can section, about 70% more canned food was sold out. Uh, there was no toilet paper, no tissues, uh, and very few baby wipes. And 
it was a, it was very interesting because I asked the Lord. It was so funny, Joey, that you talked about faith over fear. Because I asked the Lord, what do I preach on? And I really felt he he encouraged me to preach on having faith over fear in this time. And so it's it's amazing that he spoke to you about that. And it's interesting. I don't think, but I could be wrong. I don't think this room is all that fearful. I know my mother isn't. She says to me the other day in the kitchen, oh, what's everyone so worried about? If we die, we just get to be with Jesus. That's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, which is true, if you know Jesus. And if you don't, I actually understand why people are freaking out a little bit. They're kind of scared because all they have is this life. And all they have is their comfort. And all they have is their toilet paper on their butts. <laughs> what I mean by that is, is it, it, it's funny. Everyone's been asking, why is it toilet paper has flown off the shelf? It's just an absolute picture of how self-absorbed we are, how selfish we are as a society, how comfort-driven we are, that the first thing we think of is, what if I run out of toilet paper? Half the world, way more than half the world, doesn't even have toilet paper. Way more than half the world. I'd actually like to do the statistics. I'm sure it's only like 10 to 20% of the, of the world that actually has access to toilet paper, let alone uses it. And yet here we are freaking out over toilet paper and freaking out over the coronavirus. And the reality is that actually it's, <laughs> it's fear that's going more viral at the moment and funny memes, if I can say that. It's fear that's going more viral at the moment than the coronavirus. The coronavirus could be a very serious thing. And an absolutely amazing opportunity for the gospel. And so I'm not afraid, I'm excited. Come on. And here's the deal, when it comes to things like this, whatever it is, whether it's that phone call about cancer, whether it's that loss of that, that child or that friend, whatever it is, when we are faced with challenges like this, we have three options really in how we respond. We will either respond in fear, We'll respond with a bit of fun, a bit of funny, which is actually usually masking fear. Yeah. <laughs> or we respond with faith. And we can either choose the way of the world or the way of the kingdom. Yeah. And I'm just going to be honest with you. When I was in Aldi yesterday, I bought a couple of extra bags of flour. And I bought a couple of tinned cans of beetroot, which I wouldn't usually buy. And I actually literally found myself going, oh my gosh, I could get sucked into this. And I had to like, just step back and go, no, no, slow down, Andrew. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind in Christ Jesus. I was like, I'm not going to give in to this fear. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I imagine some of you have done the same this week. You've had a moment where you've gone, we need to build a basement. <laughs> we got to fill it. With toilet paper. <laughs> and we can go the way of the world, or we can go the way of the kingdom. And my question for you is, what way are you going to go? But more than that, if I can say that, what way are you going to demonstrate to the world? Are you going to demonstrate the way of the kingdom or the way of the world? Because I've been in the shops lately, and quite intentionally, but it also is kind of who I am. And I'm like, 
Hey, how you doing? G'day. Hey, hey, it's great day. Hey. People, everyone else is like this. I don't know if you noticed that when you went to the shop. <laughs> Album yesterday, 40 people, and the only thing you could hear is couples fighting. That was it. Other than that, it was like this. I'm not even joking. Like, I'm not exaggerating. People were walking around the store. One, one lady looks over at my mum and says, this is madness. People are crazy. And she just ver verbalised what everyone was thinking. And the stress on people's lives. Uh, actually, on Friday, we, my friend Lee and I were at the local prim uh, sorry, primary school school um, over at Mex. And I was dropping off the children. I had to prepare for today's sermon. So I blocked out the morning to prepare for today. But Lee, my friend Lee Trump, he's in uh, construction, civil engineering. He drives a bobcat, um, a digger for a living. Um, he had a day off because it was raining so much, they said, take the day off. So he, he said, okay, Lord, what do I do with my day off? And he felt the Lord say, go down to Eastland and just start sharing the gospel with people. So I said, all right, let's go. And Joey and Simon and others have already shifted the spiritual atmosphere of Eastland, so it's already ripe for the harvest thanks to the worship that they've been doing down there. And so I looked at Lee and he looked at me and I'm like, oh, I'd kind of like to come with you. I'm meant to prepare my message. Uh, you know, I have to teach people how to share the gospel. I, I don't know if I can go and share the gospel. I mean, I have to prepare to, you know. Needless to say, I got in the car and went down to Eastland because uh, the best preparation you can have is actually just doing it. And so... Uh, we get down to Eastland. What we did is we, I said, I want to go to the grocery stores because I'd say they're strategic places right now. And so the first grocery store we went into was Woolworths. We stood for about 15 minutes in the toilet paper section. Uh, <laughs> there was no toilet paper there, so maybe I'll call it the empty shelf section. So we stood at the empty shelf section and people came by and we just had conversation after conversation after conversation with people. And uh, one lady, she comes up, she goes, Oh, I was just in Mitchum, and now I'm here. And there's no toilet paper in Mitchum, and there's no toilet paper here. And we said, do you know you can have peace? Do you know who Jesus is? She goes, no, no, I don't know who Jesus is, but I can't find any toilet paper. <laughs> we said, Jesus, and I just began to preach the gospel. I said, has anyone told you what Jesus did on the cross for you? She says, no, no one's ever told me. And so I just began to preach the gospel to her. And so for the first time in her life, she would have been in her 40s or 50s, this lady heard a clear presentation of the gospel. She then ran out the door because she was looking for toilet paper. But she's, the word never returns void. So we'll, we'll look at the scripture in a minute. So I was like, right. And then we had another person we shared the gospel with them. We were telling people just left, right and centre, God loves you, Jesus loves you. And then we got talking to the manager, assistant manager of the store. And... Uh, her name was Bianca. We said, Bianca, um, when's the madness going to end? Now, Dave's going to appreciate his toilet paper so much more after I tell you this. She said, our predictions are it will be six weeks until we can actually get things restocked the way, like as things go back to normal. So basically, if you want to get toilet paper, you have to be at Coles when the delivery truck arrives or you don't get it. And so she said, it's probably going to be about six weeks. I said, has it been rough? She said, you have no idea. The toilet paper? Or the no, not the toilet paper. <laughs> oh, 
that's Bunnings toilet paper that's very rough. But she said, has it been rough, Andrew? And, uh, no, sorry, I said, has it been rough? She didn't say, has it been rough? Wow. I've got toilet paper, it's not been too rough. I said, has it been rough? She says, you have no idea. It's been mayhem. She said, I'm just trying to keep my staff morale up. People are coming in here, they're fighting with each other, they're attacking each other, they're swearing at my staff. I've got people getting right up in my staff's face and just swearing at them, just unloading them. It was interesting, I was talking to Dave before the, the service today, and uh, Dave said, it's almost like a, a temperature gauge to, to gauge where our society's at right now, and it's pretty ugly, isn't it? When people are literally punching, women are punching each other in the face over, you, you've got five packets, it's a four packet limit, whack! It's like, and we have an opportunity right now to see a field full of fear and to sow peace and see a harvest as a result, or we can look at it and make funny memes. Come on. <laughs> and we've all done it. I've been like, I've been having so much fun. The drive through paying with the toilet paper, that video that's on, if you've seen that, oh, that's funny. It's funny. But if all we do is spectate, if all we do is complain, if all we do is make fun of, the opportunity will pass us by like that. And in three, four, five, six months' time, God willing, coronavirus will be gone and we'll be on to the next thing. But I tell you what, Jesus stepped into a climate of fear in his day. Are we going to be wiped out? The Romans are here, you know, there's so much oppression. What, you know, are, are we Jewish? Are we Roman? Are we, like, what's going to happen to Jerusalem? And there's so much fear in the air and he stepped in and they called him the Prince of Peace. And my question for you today is, are you going to step in with peace in a season of fear? Not once it's gone, right now. Are you going to step in with peace? Or are you going to step back, observe, do a little bit of hoarding, survive, get through, and then miss it? Because I am telling you right now, the harvest is ripe. The question is, what are you going to choose in this season? What are you going to choose? After talking to the store manager, we uh, went and spoke to one of the employees. We said, hello, how are you today? And this was her posture. Good, thanks. How can I help you? <laughs> we just want to tell you that you're an amazing person, that God loves you so much, and we want to thank you for all you're doing to serve all of us here. I know it's been a really rough week, and her posture went like this. <sighs> oh, you have no idea. Oh, it's been so hard, you know? And we decided to minister to this girl. And then we just walked through the shops, and person after person, we would just stop and just speak like prophetic words over them. I actually, I know this is going to sound a little funny, I felt drunk by the end of it. Like, I could feel the Holy Spirit so strong on our activity. Did you notice how sweet worship was this morning? You know why? Because, you know, it's like the Spirit and the angels have just listened to complaining and selfishness and anger and self-seeking and self-indulgence. And then, it's like all of heaven goes, oh, someone's saying thank you. Someone's releasing a sound from that building. Someone's in their heart. Joy is their song. It's their weapon. 
while we're looking all over and we're just seeing anger and selfishness and self-indulgence. You know, I had uh, coffee with a guy this week. He's just done a big survey of the church. Very smart man. He used to be the international director for Youth for Christ Australia. Uh, sorry, Youth for Christ internationally. He was the Australian director. Then he did international. Now he does consulting. He's just done a big study of the Australian church. And he says the Australian church is dying for two reasons. One, complacency. Two, self-indulgence. He said, I used to say it was just complacency. It's not anymore. It's self-indulgence. We actually don't want someone else to sit in our seat. This doesn't happen here at Glory City. Praise the Lord. But on a general note, we don't want someone else to sit in our seat. We don't want someone else to, you know, change the worship set. We don't want someone to preach over time. We don't want this. We don't want that. And we're so focused on ourselves, how on earth is the church ever going to grow? And I thought, wow, he said, it's moved beyond complacency here in Australia and in many Western nations. It's just moved to self-indulgence. I want, I want, I don't want, I don't want. And we have got to take up our cross and die. We have got to be dead to ourselves and see the opportunity that is right there in front of us. So good. So, thank you, Liam. <laughs> I'm with you, bro. So there's three, you know, because I, I'm a good preacher, I know that I should have three points. <laughs> and so I've got three points for you today, and because you're all amazing disciple makers that are being disciples, to make disciples, you're all going to take notes. So the first note, the first thing you're going to write down is this. You're going to say, what is the solution to this madness? Number one. It's have peace. Have peace. I don't know if you call yourself a Christian in this, in this space or not. But if you are a Christian, you should have his perfect love and his perfect peace. And fear should not be a part of your reality. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. And what is perfect love? Perfect love is Jesus. That while we were still sinners, while we were still in our brokenness, while we were still doing all these stupid things, Christ died for us. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, will be saved. If you're here today and you are not yet a Christian and you're saying, I don't want fear, I want perfect love, I want a new life, then I just want you, if you would be so bold to say, I want to go on this journey of getting to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to trade my fear for faith. If you're here and you're not yet a Christian and you're saying, today's my day, I'm starting that journey right now, could you be so bold and just show me your hand so that I can pray for you? Because in a minute we're going to jump into um, how we're going to share our faith. But I want to make sure everyone in the room has the faith to start with. Is there anyone here you'd say, I'm not yet a Christian, today's my day, let's do it. If we're all saved, it's all good. And if you're not yet saved, I'll tell you what, you want to get saved. Hell's a real place. Heaven's a real place. And there is real, real, real peace and real grace for you. So number one, have peace. And if you feel fear beginning to come, just stop. And focus on his perfect love. Focus on his perfect love. See, you either believe that God is your provider or you don't. And how you approach your shopping experience will actually prove what you believe. Yeah, that's 
You either believe that he's a good dad or you don't. You know, um, we gave away our dog yesterday, which is a very sad thing. I was very sad about it. Let's not talk about it anymore. Why'd you bring it up? And now um, we had to bring out, we had to give away our dog. And one of the reasons I got our, our dog uh, was to for protection. Because I travel a lot, I thought I need a dog at home to protect my wife. You know what, last night was, I was worshipping the Lord and I just said, Alright God, you've got my family. Why do they need a dog anyway? He's got the, he's the Lord of Heaven's armies. Like, he's, he, like, he can command a whole legion of angels to come and just absolutely shred, smite, hailstone, burn up anyone that tries to walk on my property. <laughs> like, what are we doing? Do you know what I mean? Like, so often we say one thing, but we actually do another. We say, oh yeah, yeah, God's my peace. <laughs> We're so scared. And this is why we've got to receive it. Alright, so number one, have peace. Number two, sow peace. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11. Who's got it? Isaiah or Isaiah, depends how you say it. 55, verse 10 and 11. Who wants to read it out nice and loud for us? Turn there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. We are given the word of God in this season to sow it. And it will not return void. I want us to, to, to get something. We're going to go to the parable of the sower next. So go to Matthew 13 if you can. I want us to get something. Every time you tell someone Jesus loves them. Every time you share the gospel presentation with someone. Every time you say God loves you as a plan and purpose for your life. You are actually sowing something that will not return void. Do you believe it? The reality is, even though someone's face, even though their countenance may not accept it, they are spirit men and women. And their spirit actually stands to attention. I was at uh, Melbourne Airport recently. There was a gentleman there, tattoos all over his face, all over his body, even on his eyelids. And he had a tattoo of a cross right by his eye. He also had tattoos right down his jaw. I mean, how I saw the cross, I don't know. But I see this cross, I said, hey, buddy. Are you, um, are you uh, a Christian? I see you've got a cross on your face. Do you have a faith? He goes, nah, man. I said, oh, no worries. I said, well, I just want you to know Jesus loves you. He goes, oh, that's funny. You're the sixth person in two weeks to tell me Jesus loves me. I said, wow, that's awesome. Well, he does. Then I walked out and I was like, what the heck am I doing? Six people in two weeks. 
I walk back in, I said, has anyone told you why that's good news? That Jesus loves you? He goes, no. But he does, so that's good, I guess. That's good. I'm like, bro, let me tell you about the cross. And I go through this presentation of three circles. I think probably everyone here's seen it. Um, has everyone seen the three circles presentation? Alright, I'm going to run you through it real quick. So I pull out my phone and go, hey bro, um, here's the deal. And I just do this on my phone screen. I said, you were made for perfect love, a perfect love relationship with God. But then sin came, you ran away from God, and that perfect love relationship was broken. And you can try and get out of your brokenness with religiosity, with morality, with drugs, with alcohol, with a girlfriend, with a career. But in the end, all these attempts to get out of our brokenness, they're like bungee cords. They just snap us back into our brokenness. But I have good news for you. You can break your brokenness cycle. You can break this cycle of brokenness and striving and trying if you'll just say a prayer and you'll ask God to give you a new life which can happen if you make Jesus your king, you can actually become a new creation. You can get back into that real love relationship with God. Jesus died for you on a cross. He rose again. He took all of your sin, all of your shame, all of that brokenness. He took it on himself. You just pray, receive him, and you will become a new creation, a Christian, and you get to follow Jesus and live in perfect relationship with him. And he literally says this. How long did that take me? Not long, hey? He literally says this. I'm going to say that if in prayer. He goes, my life is so effed up. He goes, I need that. I want to say that prayer. Yes. And behind the counter... On the other side of the empty store, his boss starts manifesting. I'm not even joking. What I mean by manifesting is something spiritual starts showing up. And that could be good or bad. It was bad. (laughs) What are you doing? You've been talking to this guy forever. Get back to work right now. I need you at work. And it was crazy because there was no customers in the whole store. I was the only one. But this is the thing. She's made of spirit. He's made of spirit. Like, as in, we actually... You know what I mean? Like, there's either good spirits, bad spirits, all this. But we have a, a mind, a body, a soul, and we've got a spirit. And there's this, this thing that's happening in her spirit. Is It's like a demonic spirit, right? The truth's being spoken over there. This guy's about to give his life to Jesus. Get back to work! What are you doing? You know, and it like comes out of this woman's mouth. And so what you need to know is, even if you're offending the demons, you're doing something. And every time the word goes out, it actually achieves something. Don't judge people from the outside. Yeah, come on. 1 Samuel 16.7 says, Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We look at people and we go, oh, they'd never receive the gospel. Or maybe they would. Or maybe they wouldn't. Or maybe they... Stop doing that. Or they didn't, that didn't have any effect. You have no idea that person would go back into their room, get down on their hands and knees and give their whole life to Jesus. And in heaven, they'll walk up to you and say, when you said Jesus loves you as you were walking past me and I said, F off, 
It hit me so hard, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Now I'm here, I know Jesus, I followed him. I actually became a missionary over in Afghanistan. I led about 30 people to the Lord there and then I got killed. But man, it was the best thing ever. Thanks for saying Jesus loves you to me in Coles. And you have no idea. But their spirit stands to attention. Alright, parable of soul, you ready? Yeah. Come on. Oh. Glory. Alright. Matthew 13. That same day. Now I want to give you some context. We're going into. We're stepping right into the middle of one of Jesus' days. And what has Jesus been doing? He's been uh, healing people. He healed a crippled hand that day. Um, he healed all those that came to him. Um, I'm assuming he, he had a bit of a lie on him. He healed everyone. Um, Jesus cast out demons um, at, on this day. And he was preaching the word. So this is a normal day for Jesus. Mm. Normal day. This is a normal day for Jesus. As he is, so we as well. This is a normal day for Jesus. So on that same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. See, his voice would project over the water to the people on the beach. That's why he used it as like an amphitheater. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then later on, Jesus explains the parable. A parable is a story that represents other um, elements. So, he explains it here in verse 18. Here then the parable of the sower. When one hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That is what was sown along the path. So we've got this picture here of a path. And we've got a farmer that's gone and he's sown seed. Now where is he sown seed? Everywhere. Thank you very much. He has sown seed absolutely everywhere. With no regard for the outward appearance of man whether they look hard or soft, whether they're smiling at him that day or not, whether they're homeless or a multimillionaire, a celebrity or someone who doesn't even know their own name, he sows the seed everywhere. But there are those that the seed comes and for whatever reason they actually just don't understand what the heck you're talking about. Now for some of you, that's for some of us, I'll include myself, that's because we're trying to get too complicated. It's a very simple gospel. It's a very supernatural gospel, and it happens when God literally goes, and they go, yep, I'm in. It's that simple. I'll follow you. Do you know there's no sinner's prayer in the Bible? Even though I ask people to say a prayer, what I'm really doing is saying, do you want to start this journey of following Jesus? 
Confessing now, believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. But it's not a prayer. It's a journey. Jesus always said, hey, you, follow me. He didn't say, hey, you, say a prayer and just keep going on with your normal life. He said, hey, you, follow me. So these people, for whatever reason, they hear it and they don't understand it. And so the, the seed doesn't reap a harvest, unfortunately. Um, it just doesn't go anywhere. And that's sad. Of course, that's very sad. And then we have, uh, let's keep going down. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So you've got these people, and they've got um, these rocks in their field where it's been sown. And along comes things like, uh, things like uh, disease or mocking. People start mocking them for their new faith, or um, maybe temptation comes and they just they just can't maybe they haven't received the Holy Spirit in that way or they're just not activating what God's given them in self-control that fruit and so they just go on into sin and there's these other things that come along and the reality is unfortunately that seed doesn't bear a harvest it's very sad actually As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the world, and it proves unfruitful. So then you have uh, these, these other guys. They hear the word, but alongside the word is things like, you should be more worried about your career. You, what are you doing? Ministry never paid any bills. Why are you sharing your faith? Each to his own, buddy. Just keep it to yourself. And these weeds come up, these cares of the world. Make money. And unfortunately, that seed doesn't bear a harvest either. But I've got some really good news for you. Thanks, my hands are starting to get very black. I've got some really good news for you. Are you ready? As for that which was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. Well, this seed it lands on good soil. The, pe- the people are ready. They're not giving in to all those other temptations. They understand what's going on. And you know what happens? They begin to sprout up. But you know what's so cool about this? They don't just sprout up for themselves. That's right. It multiplies. That seed goes out and gets sown again. And sometimes it brings a harvest. And other times it doesn't. But that's not the point. The point is the seed is sown. Now I want to show you something, because then, every now and then, whoa, hello, glory. Ah, this one's the hundred mark. He's got lots of seeds to sow, and then all the seeds go out. And... You know what I'm saying? I want to show you an illustration that was shared with me recently that rocked me to the core. Yes. 
I've got my seed here. It's coming, I've got my bag of seed. So, I like um, gardening. I was just doing some gardening the other day. So I've got some seed here. I'll put my seed in my hat. And get ready to do some sowing. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a really fruitful day. Reach a lot of people for the Lord. So, this is how often we are tempted to sow. Uh, she actually looks like she's got it all together. She's well dressed. She's got nice hair, actually. Really nice hair. And she's probably heard the gospel a few times, I'm sure. She's white. White people all know the gospel, I'm sure. Okay. Um, street piece. Uh, could be kind of Christian. He might already be a Christian. Uh, okay. Um, uh, she looks like she's in a hurry today. Maybe, maybe I'll leave it. Oh, he just looks plain scary. No, I'm not going to share. I'm not going to share with him. No. No. Um, oh, you look homeless. Oh, there you go. You, can you look like someone that might need a bit of help. Oh, you look kind of safe. You smiled at me, so I'll, I'll give you a seat. Oh, yeah, I'm a bit worried about you. Yeah, yeah, you look a little scary too. And no, you've definitely heard the gospel. You're good. Um, but how does a farmer sow? Especially in this parable. Yes. <laughs> but, do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes like, I don't hear it, but uh, I'll be taking it home with me. My point is, praise the Lord for vacuum cleaners. If we could get some extra volunteers at the end of today's service, that would be great. But my, my point is, so long as we make it about what we judge and perceive to be fertile soil, we'll miss out on so many opportunities. I was with my friend Andrew Cannon last night. He said, I was 32 years old and I'd never rejected the gospel. Grew up in, in Liverpool in the UK. He said 32 when he got saved, but up until the age of 32, he never rejected the gospel. Why? Because no one had ever shared it. He said, the first time I went to church, I thought, this must be all the Christians in the UK. There were 750 people in the church. He thought they must have driven for miles. As he began to talk to them, he found out that many of them lived just moments away from his home. And yet no one had shared the gospel. He thought... How am I meant to know that you guys are Christians? Like, how am I meant to find out the good news? You all just look like me. You need to come to me. He was quite perplexed and even a little ticked off. Because he thought, how did I get to 32 years of age and these people were my neighbours and no one ever shared the gospel with me? I was talking to a girl, I've shared this story before, I believe, here, but I was talking to a girl at the Yarra Valley Chocolatier, 26 years of age, White girl, eastern suburbs of Melbourne. I said, hey, how you doing, Melissa? Has anyone told you, or how many people today have told you Jesus loves you? She goes, none. Because no one's ever told me Jesus loves me. I said, sorry? She goes, no one's ever told me that. 
I said, well, he does. Todd White, I had lunch with him recently over in Florida, and with tears, ugly tears, and snotty nose in his eyes, he said, I was 22. I was 22 and no one, no one, no one told me about him. So the question was asked, why do you share the gospel everywhere you go? Why are you out there just going like, Jesus loves you, God loves you. Hey, do you have any pain in your body? Can I pray for you? What do you need? Because someone did that one day and the seed hit a 22-year-old and he goes out and now he shares the gospel everywhere he goes. The question is, how are you going to respond in this season? Are you going to jump into a climate of fear and sow peace everywhere, especially the toilet paper aisle? It's kind of cheating because you know that there's a bit of good soil going around. But... Oh, that was not a joke. That was an unintentional part. Moving on, thank you, Jesus. So, number one, we have peace. <laughs> number two, we sow the gospel. And number three, uh, if coronavirus does come in the ways that people are fearful of, we pray for healing. Even if they shut down our services, which I do not believe they will, but if they do, they can't shut down your home. And you can invite people into your home and pray for them to be healed. I can't tell you the amount of times my mother has hugged lepers and hugged people with AIDS and hugged people with hepatitis and all of this. And she's still as strong as, I was going to say an ox, but she's my mother. She's as strong as something very beautiful, whatever that is. Beautiful, strong thing. Same with my father. He has, has, has washed the feet of people with leprosy. People would say, oh, no, no, you've got, to, you've got to be full of fear around those people. What if we moved towards and hugged, loved, served, actually believed that greater is he who is in the world? I'm not saying go out and find someone with coronavirus and greet them with a holy kiss. But I am saying don't allow fear to conquer you. Right. Yeah. Alright, we're going to do one practical thing, really practical, and then I'm going to close. Is that alright? Yeah. Are we good? Yeah. yeah. Alright. Um, I've got pens, and if you need paper, I've got paper here as well. But if we can just begin to pass that out, that'll need to be opened. Um, that'll be good. We're going to do one last practical thing that I think will help you as you go out and sow the gospel. Have I told, just as that's going around, have I told the Adam Gilchrist story here yet? Of Adam Gilchrist in Perth? This is one of the best stories ever because of how much glory it gives to God. So I'll share that while that's coming out. So, I'm over in Perth recently and I share this because, as I said, 1 Samuel talks about how, it actually says this, do not consider... It says, do not consider his appearance. Don't even factor it in. 
says the Lord looks at man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So do not consider the outward appearance. Right, so I'm in Perth recently and uh, Adam Gilchrist walks by and I don't know anything about cricket. Like, well, when I say anything, every now and then I am too slow to turn off the TV when the sports section comes on and I get a flash of cricket. Turn it off. It just, it's just it's not exciting, okay? I know everyone wants to boo me and beat me up and steal my toilet paper. Get over it. Okay. So, I see this guy walk by and I'm like, that's that cricketer, Brett Lee. It's not, it wasn't Brett, it was Adam, but I thought it was Brett. So I go, that's Brett Lee. And I said to my friend, um, Lee, the guy I was at the store with the other day, not in full-time ministry, not a missionary, not a pastor, works as a construction worker, drives a digger. Do you hear my point there? I keep bringing Lee up for a very real reason, because so many of us have so many excuses that are from hell. The attacks of the enemy against you to say you don't have anything to offer. You grab that thought and you take it to Christ because he is in you and he is through you. And so he's um, with my friend Lee. I said, that's Brent Lee. He goes, and then because I was starstruck, I didn't listen to 1 Samuel 16, 7. I was like, Dad, I should have shared Jesus with him. He didn't walk right past my friend Lee, uh, he says, that's right, Andrew, if you meant to share Jesus with him, you'll see him again. So three days later, we've got time for outreach, and I begin to pray, and my friend Lee begins to pray, and we say, God, where do you want us to go? And I see a picture of a multi-story car park and an overpass, footbridge, and all this. At the end of the prayer, Lee says, oh, where, where do you want to go in the city today? Oh, sorry, in all of Perth. So we're out in the suburbs. I said, let's just go to the local shops. We'll just go to the local store. So no, 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 let's go um, to the city. And I said, well, it's funny. I had a vision of a multi-story car park. That would line up with the city. If you want to go to the city, I'm up for it. It's a 20-minute drive. But, yeah, let's do it. So driving to the city, you know what it's like when you're in a city you've never been to. You're looking for parking signs. You're looking like, where do we go? We see a blue parking sign. We pull into the parking lot. And as we pull in, this really nice... Um, SUV pulls in behind us. Oh, that's a nice car. And for whatever reason, I've never done this before, I reversed into the car park. I usually park nose first, Joyce will tell you that. But I reversed in, and as I reversed in, I noticed Adam Gilchrist had followed us into this car park. Three days later, 20 minutes from where I first saw him, at a random place at a random time. And so I slammed on the brakes, and ran out and I said, G'day Brett, I'm Andrew. <laughs> well, you know what, he was so gracious, he didn't correct me. I said, I saw you three days ago over at the um, Claremont shops. He said, yes, I was there. And I said, I want to share Jesus with this guy. But I was too kind of starstruck because I know you're a cricketer, but I don't know anything about cricket. I'm glad I actually said that. I think that was the Holy Spirit because it helped him not be so offended. I said, I don't know anything about cricket. I never watch it. But I know you're some cricketer. And um, anyway, my friend said, if you meant to share Jesus with him, you'll see him again. So here I am standing in front of you. You just followed me into this car park. We're here completely randomly just after praying. And I think I meant to share Jesus with you. He goes, oh, really? 
25 minutes later, after taking a phone call and hanging up, after getting in the lift and inviting us into the lift. Everything, every opportunity he had to get out of the conversation, and the whole time I called him Brett. Every opportunity he had to get out of the conversation, he did not take. His wife calls, he doesn't take. Like he goes, yep, yep, okay, yep, okay. Uh-huh. And when I said to him, are you a Christian? And he said, I'm not a practicing Christian. And then I said, you don't need to practice the religious, the religion. Just practice the relationship. And he began to tear up. And at the end, when I got to lay hands on him, pray for him. I then told Margaret Court, I was speaking at her church, if you know who Margaret Court is, she's a tennis player. Um, number one. Number one tennis player, um, female tennis player in history. And I was speaking at her church, and I said to Margaret, Margaret, I've got to tell you a crazy story. So I told her the story, right? She goes, every time he comes on my TV screen, I pray for his salvation. Now, her daughter was in the room. And one week later, her daughter gets onto a train. Bang! Melinda Gilchrist, Adam's wife. Adam's two people away. She goes, hi, um, hi. Uh, my friend uh, shared Jesus with your husband the other day. I'm from Victory Life Church. You should come to our church. <laughs> and it's like straight up just goes out there and invites them. And I share the story, it's got nothing about names, and I don't even want, I would not want the names to be a factor. But I share the, I share the story to say, don't look at the outward appearance. Don't see someone as greater or less than, or has heard it or hasn't heard it, or they must have a sports chaplain, they must this, mate, they must that. So, 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 so. So, in closing, Oikos map. A lot of you have done this in your glory homes, all of that, but I want to give you a practical tool and a moment right now to do this. Oikos means unit of society in uh, Greek, I believe. And basically what I want you to do right now, because we're thinking about sewing, is I want you to draw a circle in the middle of your paper. I want you to write your name down. And then I want you to write down the non-Christians in your life, those that don't yet know Jesus, that you regularly interact with. Now, a friend of mine recently did this uh, activity and she said, I'm sorry, doing this activity I have realised that my life is incredibly Christian. I'm in a Christian bubble. I said, no worries, where do you get your bread? Where do you get your morning coffee? Where do you fill up your car? And so I've been becoming more and more intentional about going to fast fuel in Mount Evelyn, even if it's out of my way, because I'm seeking to get to know the staff there so that I can share Jesus with them. Who uh, Liz is my florist. I know my florist well because I love my wife well, or at least I try. <laughs> there are days when that doesn't go too well. And then I go and see Liz and she makes it all better. <laughs> and so um, Liz is my florist and I'm sharing, you know, really seeking to, to build a relationship with her. I've got a good friend, Jake. I just love him so much and I'm praying for him to come into the kingdom. I've got a couple of sisters that aren't walking with the Lord right now and I'm seeking to keep interacting with them and being around them. And I could, I could go on. And so... What you're going to do right now is everyone's doing that. Now, I want you to turn to the person next to you with your piece of paper and just have a conversation about it really quickly and then I'm going to close. So just, what's this experience like? You know, 
because it can bring up a little bit of uh, interesting things when we do this. Um, I've also got my neighbours, so good. Um, and the other name is Joyce has met them, I haven't met them yet, but uh, we go number 45. It's okay to go, I don't have names yet, but I will have soon. And then what you do is every time you see them, you just lob a seed over. And you know what? The Lord will bring the increase. If we, and I cannot stress this enough, if we do our evangelism based on results, we'll quit after day one. You actually, we actually have to have supernatural faith. Have you ever seen, you know, like, I don't know if you guys do gardening, I do gardening a lot. I put a seed in the ground, I don't know when it's coming up. The packet will tell me roughly when about it will come up, but we need water, we need the right temperature, the right amount of sunlight, carrots, I found out, you actually have to leave them completely dry until they come up. No idea. That's why my carrots kept failing. Completely wet. Oh, completely wet. Sorry, completely wet, and you can't allow <laughs> any. Who I keep stuffing up? I tell you, you've got to get better at something. You got to put a plank over them and keep them completely wet. If they get the slightest bit dry, they won't sprout. My point is this: you don't know what's going on. Jesus loves you. And then I was in Canberra. I went up to a girl. I said, "What's your name?" She said, yes. I said, like what's written in my phone? She said, how do you know my name? I said, I was sitting here. I said, Lord, I feel to share Jesus with this girl. What do you want to say to her? And he just said, Jess. I said, okay. So I wrote it down on my phone. I said, it's Jess, isn't it? She goes, why do you have my name in your phone? I said, the Lord gave it to me. She comes around the corner, gives me this massive hug, bursts into tears. She's a Buddhist. Three months later, I go back to the same cafe looking for Jess. He goes, where's Jess? Oh, three months ago, Jess had the messiest divorce ever and she doesn't work here anymore. She couldn't go. I thought, wow, three months ago, I walked in here and I told her that the Lord of heaven and earth knows her name. Right when her divorce was going through. And she was literally having a breakdown and had to leave her place of employment. You don't know what you are sowing. Like when it will sprout up. So just keep sowing. All right, do we all do that? Look us back, turn to the person next to you, quick conversation, and then I'm going to pray for us. All right. Okay, so I'm just going to bring us in. I know we keep talking about this. Um, the good news is for a lot of you, there's sticky notes. So you can actually put them, and if you don't have a sticky note, you can get one on your way out and redo your ICOS map. But you can actually put your ICOS map maybe in your car, maybe on your fridge, and just remind yourself to be intentional. Someone said this to me recently, they said, oh, I just feel like evangelism needs to be like more organic. And I said, if you want to get more organic, you're just going to sit on the couch and watch TV. Like, you actually, it's not, it didn't come like naturally to be like, yeah, I'm going to go knock on my neighbor's door, like when you're tired. You actually have to get intentional. So, um, I'm going to close in prayer and, uh, I have a challenge for you. You ready for this? This is just a practical challenge. I reckon we can all do it. I'm going to do it. I'm really excited about it. I'd like you to buy a gift card, like a uh, like a happy birthday kind of card, a thank you card, 
and I'd like you to grab something with that thank you card and whether that's um, a, some chocolates or flowers or toilet a gift card. You won't find those. No toilet rolls. And I'd like you to write a thank you letter to someone in a grocery store. You can go and do it right now before lunch on your way home. You can do it this afternoon. Awesome. Don't leave it too long because you'll forget. I know this sounds crazy, but if we do this, it will blow the socks off our local stores, like seeds for the gospel will be sown. You might decide to buy something for every shop worker in your local store, or maybe just for one or two, but you just write something along these lines. Dear, they wear name tags, so you walk past as you're going to buy the card, because you're going to buy the card in the store that they work in, so it's really not hard. You literally just buy the card. Go over the side, write, Dear so-and-so, Emily, I just want to thank you for all you're doing. I know it's been a rough time. Jesus loves you. Really appreciate all the workers in your store. Keep going. Don't give up. Cheer you on. You know, something like that. And you don't even have to write your name. If you want to, you can. And then just give them the chocolates. Give them the, the, the thank you card. And just say, I just wanted to say thank you so much for everything you're doing. I know it's been a rough couple of weeks. I can tell you next Sunday we'll have testimony after testimony after testimony of people crying, of people hugging, of people hearing the gospel. And you just see, because what you might find is as you sow that seed, they just totally open up. And he goes, anyone ever told you what Jesus did on the cross for you? That you, you know, are you, are you a believer? And just present the gospel. Three circles, boom. So, can we do that this week? I know that's it. I'll give you my own money. If you don't have money to buy a, buy a thank you card and a, and a thing of chocolates or not, I'll give you my money. So that you can, or at least can make the cards. She's good at making cards. I, I know probably one third of the room realistically will do this. <laughs> but I actually really believe that if all we do is speak about this stuff in church, it goes nowhere. So I'm giving you a practical tool. Be one of, the, one of the people that grabs it. A practical tool, just write a thank you letter to your local IGA, Coles, Audi, whatever. Bless them, introduce them to Jesus. All right, can we stand? We're going to pray. Father God, we choose faith over fear. We choose the kingdom of heaven versus the patterns of this world. We choose you. And as we go out this week, we are so thankful that we are in your army. We are so thankful that we are hope feelers. We are so thankful that we get to come into the world with peace, with light, with truth, with revelation. With love. And so God, I ask right now for every person in this room to receive the peace of God. If there's any fear, let your perfect love just come right now and cast it out. I ask, Lord God, that you would bring a boldness in proclaiming the gospel. We pray right now for our Oikos map, for those people in our unit of society, 
in our sphere of influence. We ask, Lord God, for salvation to come to their house in Jesus' name. And I pray right now for anyone who is sick with coronavirus, that they will be healed in Jesus' mighty name. And then if there's anyone here in this room that is sick right now, any pain, any discomfort, anything that's not, uh, not quite right, I just command that to leave right now in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Complete healing to come over this space. And may we, may we walk out with peace, with authority, on mission, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done in Coles and Woolworths and IGA, on Bastow Road in Lilydale, at Mex, at Lilydale Lake, at Elisha Care, Street Peace, Frankston, Warrandyte, Ringwood, Croydon, Moorabah, and beyond as it is in heaven. Let it be. Let your kingdom come and your will be done as it is in heaven. Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys.